Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. So, two weeks ago, we jumped inside of Romans 8, and I started at verses, uh, started at verse 12 and went through um, verse 24. And um, it's one of those sermons that it hasn't escaped me. I've just been chewing on it because it's just so amazing. Um, but so I'm gonna, I just want to run back on that because I'm going to go ahead and finish Roman, Romans 8, and I want to piggyback on where it started, and you're going to need to remember this stuff so you can sort of land correctly as I go through the rest of the, the uh, chapter. All right, so Romans 8, starting with verse 12. Y'all see our more than conquerors flag up there? That's the name of the sermon today. All right, so it says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, you, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we, that we may also be glorified with him. So last week, one of the things I, excuse me, week before last, one of the things I pinpointed on was this, this idea where it says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. Okay, so you ever have a friend or you've been this friend where you're going through some stuff that's real hard in your life? And so... Let's say the friend comes to you and they're just like, everything that's going on with them is really, really hard. They feel like they're going through just a devastating time and they start questioning God. Y'all been there before? You had to be that person for somebody or been that person? And so when that happens, the thing you start doing is trying to hammer down their identity in Christ and who they are and how Christ is for them, right? You start trying to let them know how concrete this walk with Christ is because it's always uncomfortable to see your friends getting shaky with with the word you feel what i'm saying or get shaky with god or you feel like the enemy's trying to creep in so in this text this is what is happening paul is talking to um to the romans and he's he's hitting them hard like for the for, for the for that church he's letting them know this is it all right this is the way the spirit works he's saying that the spirit is if you're led by the spirit it's not leading you into fear once again it's leading you into sonship. It's confirming that you're a son. The way I explained that the other week is like this right here. When the enemy shows up and he shows up to condemn you, what he usually does is go, you're not really a child of God. Look at what you've done. Look at you. You're a mess right now. Your faith sucks. Everything about you is just whack. Look at you. You don't trust in the Lord. You are a poor example of a Christian. And what he looks for you to do is to start to either just run away or to stop trusting in God and faith and to start working and working out of your own, out of your own flesh, right? What this is saying is the spirit is convicting your heart, and as it convicts your heart, it is actually testifying to the fact that you are a child of God, that you're a son. It's a very big difference. The other week I used the example of having to discipline one of my kids. There's one thing to come discipline your kid and make them feel like they're unwanted and they have to earn their right to be a part of this family. There's another thing to discipline them and sit with them and point to Jesus and talk about how you both need Jesus. And they get up knowing that they are indeed a son. 
despite the fact they've been shown something hard. Do you get where I'm coming from? So he is, he is looking to push this immaturity right here. Do not get it twisted. Don't let the devil play with your mind and constantly come at you and condemn you and tell you you are not a son. You are a son indeed. That's what the Spirit is looking to do. And then he says, if you're, if you're a son, if you're a child of God, then it means that you're an heir. And he says, if we're fellow heirs with Christ, then we're going to suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. And so I went into this idea that the Holy Spirit, with all the gifts that it comes with, there's no way you're going to walk this earth and you're going to avoid suffering. It just simply doesn't work like that, right? If we're inside of a world where there's corruption, there's murder, there's killing, there's all type of bad things, and this beautiful spirit, the Holy Spirit, is now inside of you, and you now have peace, love, patience, all of these fruits of the spirit, there's no way to navigate through this earth without being grieved by what you see. There's no way to look in the mirror when you have this flesh on you that is sinful and craves sin and not be grieved by what you see. Do you get where I'm coming from? So you take these two things and you put them together, you get this idea that, yes, you are going to suffer through the fact that you are broken and you are sinful and everything else, but do not neglect the fact that the Holy Spirit is actually the reason you see it and the reason it hurts is because the Spirit of God is leading you and showing you and confirming that you are actually indeed a child of God, not that you are ousted. All right, y'all with me? Stuff is so beautiful. It's so gangster. It really, really is. I'm trying to just walk through. Anyway, I don't know. All right, All right so verse 18 says this. For I consider that, these sufferings of this, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. This is important for where I'm going to go in the next part. And I told you last week, this is the Greek word there means disappointing misery. It means that the whole creation, God came and he looked at the earth and he subjected it to this misery on purpose. Men, if you can understand it like this, you can have an absolutely amazing, beautiful wife. And the tendency is for your wicked flesh to still glance to the left or right. And even if it's just a glance, the word says it's fornication. What in the world is wrong with us? Well, some of us, we, we know how amazing our wives are, right? Or it could, be, it could be anything. You could have an amazing friend, and you may betray your friend, or you may gossip, or whatever the case may be. We've been subjected to this futility in this flesh, and God did it for the purpose of us to have to look towards this future hope, all right? For us to never get caught up in this idea where we're just, we're just chilling, we're good. No, you're not good. All right? You're good in Jesus Christ. That's the good that you lean into. But we are not good in ourselves. All right? That's what that scripture is pointing to. It says, for the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly. That's that not willingly. What I just explained, that, that statement is loaded. It's loaded because mankind, if we could have it our way, we wouldn't have God subject us to anything. What we would do is keep on building and building and building and traveling throughout the whole entire universe, building new civilizations, making monuments to ourselves, and we would completely forget about God. Do you understand? So God in his, his, his mercy and his love to save us from ourselves has subjected it, the world to futility. All right? It says, because of him who subjected it. Why? In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and listen to this right here. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Yeah. Say something. Amen. It's the gang. This is the, the gangster beautiful part right here, all right? It's my favorite part. It says, 
Creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So the hope that we're looking for is that Jesus Christ, that God is going to one day release his glory. But he's saying that that glory is actually going to be inside of his children. So the very thing that we look at that we can't stand that's ugly, that grieves us all the time, one day God is going to sick us on it. Do you all get where I'm coming from? It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. It says, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. It's, 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 in, it's looking to birth you. That's what I was just explaining. It says, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly, as we eagerly, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We are waiting for the new. It says, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. All right. That's, that was last week summed up. A lot of what I'm going to be preaching today is text heavy, so I'm going to be doing a lot of reading to you. Um, and I'm going to move kind of quick because this is a whole lot of content. So keep your ears really, really open and your hearts really in tune. Um, and, and we're going to jump in. So right now we're about to jump in verse 26 and go from there. So what we described, what we just went through was describing this idea that we are actually called to the suffering as heirs of Christ, as heirs of Christ. And then we are also, um, that God is also going to reveal his glory through us, right? So Paul is making that case like this thing that we are caught up in is absolutely amazing. Don't, don't get shaky with it. It's sure. But he's about to tell us how certified, how sure, how, how much we can actually close our eyes and fall back into the promises of God. This is what Paul is doing. Y'all with me? All right. All right. I'm going to start off by reading this first. This is something that John Piper said. He said, when the people of God are set free from the compulsion of self-exaltation and self-justification and self-preservation so that we live for the eternal good of other people, then we become the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And people notice in us the reality of God and give him glory. Therefore, if God's purpose is for us to be accomplished in the world, be accomplished in the, in the world, to make known his glory through lives, through lives of love, then we must find a weapon with which to conquer the pride and insecurity that feeds our need to exalt ourselves and justify ourselves and, and um, preserve ourselves with postures and poses and performances and prosperity. That, that, I, that, that is fitting for what I'm about to preach into because um, I know I just keep driving home this point, but the point is this right here. The point is that God is looking for us to take off the old clothing of self. He's looking for us to take off the clothing of, um, like, let's stop trying to save ourselves. Like he's saying, I got you. I got you, all right? And, and, and so I'm trying to spill the beans before I get to preaching, but I'm getting too excited. When I read this, you're going to see what I'm talking about, all right? Okay, all right. All right, so verse 26 says like this. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart, hearts 
knows that in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So it says that for all this suffering that we endure, it's saying that the Spirit actually helps us in our weakness. All right, so for suffering, anticipation, the agony, the horror, the hardships, the grieving, the laboring through childbirth, the disappointment, the misery, the disappointing misery that the world has been subjected to, it's saying that the Spirit of God is our helper, all right? How? It says that the Spirit intercedes for us. And it says, he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So that means that the Spirit and God are having a conversation about y'all all the time. They're, they're, they're conversating. They, they, they're kicking it back and forth. They're like, my man's going through this right here. You know what I'm saying? He tripped out. He got an attitude. His wife won't talk to him now. They're about to go to sleep, not even talk. You need to prick his heart and get at him real quick, whatever. Tell him to tell the story. You know what? He's going by Publix right now. Stop by. Tell him to stop by Publix, grab some roses, and bring it to the crib, and everything will be. They're working on your behalf over time. Do you get where I'm coming from? Man, we're on the winning team. Watch this. We just started. We just got into this. I told you it's exciting. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for, the, for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. I've quoted this so many times back in the day in immaturity, and I swear that I thought it meant that, God, you just make things happen for Jay Harris. The things that I want, like what I perceive to be good, you're just going to make it work out for that. What it means is that we can actually trust God and that God loves us and he wants what's best for us. And even if best is suffering, suffering will be the best suffering we ever have and it will glorify him. Amen. It will work out for the good of those who love him, right? All right, it says, for those who are called according to his purpose. So who are the called? That would be you. What's his purpose? To reveal his glory. How? Through you. Amen. All right? That's the plan. Jump back to Romans 20 real quick. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, and hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption, and here it goes, and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Amen. That's you. Amen. That's us. So beautiful. I'm going to have like an eight-pack. Telling you, it's gonna be crazy, and then I, and then my hair will be back. It's gonna be crazy. I might come in here with a Matt Jensen on y'all real quick with that joint lean to the side, faded up. Watch, y'all don't even. I, I'm just thinking through. I'm dreaming for the day. You know, it's a future hope I'm leaning into. All right, and then verse 29 says this: For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. That means in his sovereignty and rule, he predecided. To be conformed, that means to agree or be like, to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. You telling me that God has done all of this stuff? Like, you telling me, like, before I was even born, he already had you in the plan. So he thought about you. Then he put the call out to you. Then he had his son Jesus down the cross to justify you. Because there's no way for you to... You, you, many people are called, but not everybody responds. 
right? I can make a call in the room or in the streets to many people, but then there's people that Christ has called, all right? He called, he also glorified, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. He's doing all his, all his work for us. Verse 26, he's, he's helping us. He's interceding for us. He's searching the heart for us. Spirit is inter- interceding with the saints. He's predestined. He's planned. He's called. He sent his son. He's justified. He's glorified. God has done all of this stuff on our behalf. So why would we, why would we lean in halfway? We lay all the way into this thing. The promise is too amazing. So I have to ask the question, like, why do we spend so much time trying to save ourselves? Why do we let the devil play with our mind and tell us we're not sons and constantly move in this thing like, I can't be. My mind is all over the place. I can't be a believer. I can't be this right here. I bet you before you found Christ, you didn't care nothing about where your mind went. I didn't care nothing about preying on people at all. I didn't miss a night's sleep. Now sometimes I walk by y'all inside of the room and think I forgot to say hello, and I can't even sleep at night until I call you and say, hey, brother, the other day I went, something was on my mind. Nine times out of ten, you're like, I ain't even catch all that, Jay. You ain't even got to worry about all that. But still, nevertheless, it's on my heart. It's because I care for you and I love you. Amen. But I ain't used to be like that. I could have cared less back in the day. It's confirming that you're a son, that you're a daughter, that you understand what I'm saying? It's not meant for you to fear. Don't let the devil play with your mind like that. Hit that sucker in the head with this, with the good news right here, all right? Sorry I said sucker for anybody. I don't even use that word. It just came out. I'm sorry. All right? So why are we striving so hard? Why are we chasing the wind? You know, I was talking to some young, uh, some young fellas the other day, and we were just talking about, they were just talking about walking with God and everything else, and, and we were talking about just like what it is to chase money and everything else, and, and um, and, you know, and I knew where they were at because I used to be right there, too, or whatever, and just the whole idea. And I was telling them, you know, we get on this treadmill where we're just running after something. And it's not even real. It's just the enemy puts it in front of you. It could be status. It could be, oh, we need a house like this or we got to have cars like this. It could be, oh, somebody, you know, in school I was the ugly duckling and now, you know what I'm saying, I got a lipo. I'm about to come back and, 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 and give it to them and show them, you know what I'm saying, or whatever. And I never think about anything like that at all. But, you know, um, but anyway, you know, so, you know, like that's foolishness. But anyway, you get where I'm coming from, but like. I was telling them, I was like, man, it's not about where you're trying to get to. It's where God wants you at. Like, look at what he's invested in us and his people. If he tells you to be somewhere scrubbing bathrooms, you best believe that's the best place on earth to be at. You can't, it's it's a can't fail. It's a sure shot. You can't fail. You can't fail. And we have to trust God to be sovereign and be big. Or if we don't, we won't pray the way we should pray. Because we can, we can weigh a whole lot of options, and they look really, really amazing. But it doesn't mean that's what God's plan is. Like, God isn't afraid for you to suffer. And sometimes we make decisions like, God wouldn't have me to go through that right there. No, he actually would. He actually had his own son get up on the cross and be brutalized and die. And he says, if you're going to be an heir with him, and you're going to walk in his glory then you're going to walk in the suffering too. So it it pulls us up out of ourself to start leaning into, hey, God, what is your will? 
where do you actually want me at? Because wherever you want me at is the best place I could possibly be. It changes the situation. And another thing does, it helps a whole lot with the spirit of contentment. Because it, it stops being about some place you're trying to get to, but knowing where you're supposed to be at. And you get to just thank God. Thank you, Lord, that this place is a little hard. It's a bit rough. But the spirit is my helper. And it helps us in our weakness, like the scripture says. And I can be joyful that I'm where you need me to be right now. Y'all get where I'm coming from? Verse 31 says this. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So to back up all of these big things he's saying, because he's talking about going through suffering. I don't know about you, but when somebody starts talking about suffering, I usually start fading to the back of the room like, what did he say? I'm about to, I don't think I'm at the wrong meeting. It's time to go, Jack. I'm rolling, right? So he, he, he's, he's throwing some really big stuff out here. But then he comes back and he backs up and he says, he gave his own son. Like this isn't a bunch of cheap talk. He sent his son. Many of us have lost Kids, whether it's through childbirth or whatever the case may be, and it's a hard thing. I know me and Lana have lost several, but I've never had to send my son or one of my children to die for something. Now, just imagine for, your se for a second, if you can grasp it, how valuable would this thing have to be for you to voluntarily send your son? Like, how, how valuable would that have to be, right? Real quick, Isaiah 53, 10 through 12 says this. says, yet it was the will of the Lord, the will of the Lord, of the Father, to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. That's, that's you. So God actually, the Father, joyfully sent his son. <coughs> because he felt you were worth that much. Y'all get where I'm coming from? It's not cheap talk. It's not cheap talk. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. He shall bear their iniquities. That's you. That's you. That's you. You think, you think that He's going to send his son. That's the price he's going to pay for those who are called. And that the enemy is allowed to just come in the room and whisper any old thing in your ear and just snatch you up anytime he wants to and make you live a life of fear. And I don't know if I'm in. I had a good week. I read, I did five, you know, um, devotionals or whatever. And then I did some, all that stuff's amazing. But you do it out of freedom. You don't do it out of striving to be a son. You're already a son. All right. Like, when, when, you, when you have to start doing it to prove, then that means you're functioning like an orphan who has to make sure that you walk light in the house so they don't send you back to the foster home. God doesn't do that to his children. Do you get where I'm coming from? You don't got to step light. You get to stomp around the room. And I'm about to show you how you get to stomp around the room. Y'all ready? 
You get to stomp around the room. Y'all ready for this? All right, so, <coughs> excuse me. All right, hold on, hold on. Let me get it right. It's good stuff. I got to get it right. I got to get it right. Y'all ready? All right, so, all right. You ever see, like, I know some of you. I know some of y'all have had, like, y'all ever heard somebody, like, when you get in trouble or whatever, and, like, um, I know I, I, was, I was like this when I was a kid. Like, see, I got in trouble or something, whatever, and, like, an adult tried to come at me and tell me something. I'd be like, you ain't my daddy. <laughs> Anybody ever did that before or seen somebody do that, you know? I'm like, you ain't my mama. You don't tell me what to do. Who do you think you are, right? Yo, Paul's about to do this right here in the scripture. Watch. All right? So, verse 33 says, you have to hear his attitude because he's really, he's talking smack. We just read this sometimes and we don't put it in there, but he's talking mad junk for real, right? He says, who shall bring any charge against God elects, God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. He just hit him with it. You ain't my mama. You ain't, you ain't birthed me. You don't take care of me. That's what he's saying right now. And he's saying it because that's what we should be saying to the devil every time he tries to come talk that mess to us, right? Tell me what to do. Father in heaven, pray for me right now. Send him over to your house right now. What? All right? Take care of you and all your, your, your demons. What? You know? He's talking mess. You know what I'm saying? No one can condemn me, causing me to fear again and to question my sonship. Paul is saying, stop, walk heavy in that. As a son, don't tiptoe like an orphan. Always use this example. You can go to the refrigerator and drink the milk out the jug. We don't want you to, especially if you ain't brushed some teeth this morning. But it's your house, and you can do it if you want to, all right? That's what he's saying. You get to stomp around the house a little bit, all right? And he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He's still talking mess. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? And it says, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And he says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You want to know why we're more than conquerors? You want to know why? We throw this phrase around lightly. It's one of the things we put on like nice Christian, you know, Hallmark cards or something. But it's not a cheap phrase. Matter of fact, the word conqueror isn't, it's not even really esteemed. It's actually belittled in this statement, if you want to be honest, because it's, it's, it's hinged off of the context is the fact of suffering. He just lists some horrifying stuff, right? Persecution, tribulation, distress, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. That doesn't go on a Hallmark card. That's nothing sweet to send to nobody, anybody unless they're a believer like us. Then they can say we really are more than conquerors. If you look up the word conqueror, all it talks about is self-effort, about you conquering and you doing something awesome. The reason we are way more than conquerors is because our daddy has conquered everything. We're actually, we're actually more like invincible. That's what we're more like. We're more like we're invincible or untouchable. Because what he's saying is that all things work out for the good of them that love me, right? So we're more like invincible. That's why it says we're more than conquerors. All right? 
Because here's the thing. Conquerors can't, if, you, if you're a conqueror, one thing you can't conquer is death. That'll lay every conqueror flat and has, has since the beginning of time, besides Jesus Christ. He's the only one that has conquered death, right? All right. Verse, verse 38 says this. It says, for I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, this is such a timely word for the church because it doesn't seem like our reality in America a lot of times. But the day may come when tribulation, distress, persecution on a real scary level. We have Christians across seas right now that are being beheaded and they're on the run with their babies and their families right now as we sit in this, this seat. Like that is their actual reality at this moment. You understand? We should be praying for them all the time that they do not forget what this word says right here. And even as they are running and they are moving for their life, they are actually more than conquerors even while they're hiding in the bush or doing whatever they got to do to make it, right? Even while they're drinking out of rivers that are probably polluted as I don't know what, just to feed themselves and feed their babies, they are still more than conquerors because they're invincible and they are untouchable because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, right? Because we are heirs with him, because we are now part of the family. But here's the thing. You... If Paul is going to make a statement, if he's going to make statements about trials and tribulations, and he is going to build such a high mountain, all right? Because we're not talking about when you have a fender bender. We're not talking about when you got a leak inside of the church roof or whatever. You have a couple working on it. We're not talking about when the AC won't kick, get quite right. All right? We're talking about distress, tribulation, your very life being hunted down. If we're going to make that tall mountain, man, that, for that thing to stand, we have to be rooted deep. You understand what I'm saying? We have to be rooted deep. It's like when a building is made, it's not just sitting on the ground in front of us, right? They go deep, several floors down to pour a foundation. Where it's like, this thing isn't going to shake. But guess what? How many times? The reason we usually have those conversations with our friends I was talking about earlier is because things start to shake up a little bit. And it starts showing our roots of where we're at. A healthy church is a church that is rooted really, 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 really deep. That is not still trying to save itself, but is walking around knowing it is saved. Right? And when it knows that it's saved, then it's free to move in the work that God has put before. And be very... And, and, and be very thoughtless towards itself and esteem others higher than themselves, right? A little bit of conflict inside of the church doesn't make everybody scatter, right? People point fingers at each other. Maybe they're wrong. Maybe they're right. Who knows? 
But, but this type of church is actually rooted deep. So, so it's, it's, we, got, we got a storehouse of forgiveness, a storehouse of mercy, equipped to do the work that God has put before us.